a member of the New Generation Group, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I come from Coburg, Ontario. And it is my privilege and my pleasure to be here this morning to take part in this spiritual panel. I don't know why I get the way I get sometimes, but I do. And I think maybe it's because of gratitude that I feel in my heart. I uh, have to thank Jack for phoning me the other night. Good friend of mine. I'm glad to see you made one meeting at this conference anyway. <laughs> the theme of this panel is contented living. And there is no contentment whatsoever in the life of an alcoholic without spiritual living. And my peace of mind and my contentment today is not measured by what I hold in my hands, how much money I have in the bank, what kind of a car that I drive, or what kind of a house that I live in. My peace of mind and my contentment today is measured by my relationship with Almighty God and with my fellow men. And if my relationship with God is good, and my relationship with you people are good, then I'm going to feel good inside, and I'm going to have contentment, and I'm going to have peace of mind. And I'm supposed to have a topic here this morning that says came to, and I don't think that there are any topics that are really adequate enough to replace the topic of Almighty God. And on a spiritual panel on Alcoholics Anonymous, we're here to talk about God. And if we don't talk about God in Alcoholics Anonymous, and if we do not talk about our program of recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous and spiritual principles in Alcoholics Anonymous, then we might as well all get up and go home because there's nothing else left to talk about. And any panel that I have ever heard in Alcoholics Anonymous, whether they call it a spiritual panel or a young people's panel or an old-timers panel, so we're all here for one reason, and that reason is to try to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to the still sick and suffering alcoholic. And any message that any alcoholic carries from this podium is a spiritual message. So all panels, to me, are spiritual panels. I'm sober over 12 years in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I shall never drink again and survive, never. And the only hope of my sobriety to be maintained on a daily basis and the only thing that stops me from the insanity of alcoholism, my friends, and that first drink is Almighty God. And the alcoholic that prays and the alcoholic that lives by spiritual principles is the alcoholic that stays sober. And the alcoholic who does not pray is the alcoholic who does not stay sober. And the things that I am about to say to you this morning are not really my opinions. I had good teachers when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's my teachers that taught me about this program and the program of recovery. And anything that I say here this morning is not original. And anything that I say here this morning, you can read it in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, because it's in there, and it's in our literature, and it's in our 12 and 12. And you talk to some of the old-timers that are around here for 25 and 30 years and ask them how long or how come they have managed to stay sober the length of time that they have been sober. And I always seem to make it my business when an alcoholic goes back out to take a drink. I always ask him if he said his prayers that morning. And the answer always comes back, no. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that as long as I continue my relationship with Almighty God, then I will continue to be sober. And the day that I stop praying is the day that I'm in trouble. My length of sobriety is very important to me for three very particular reasons. 
One more one is pay tribute to God and to our great fellowship, because without the grace of God or the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I would not be here this morning alive and sober and in my right mind. Secondly, it serves as an example to someone that is just coming back that it might be possible to stay sober one day at a time without the use or the abuse of alcohol. And thirdly, I never want to forget the night that I had my last drink, and that was May 24th, 1969, just over 12 years ago. When I come to Alcoholics Anonymous as an alcoholic with an emotional disorder, with a personality disorder, and the only relief I got was out of a bottle because booze did for me the things that I could not do for myself sober. I had a belief in God. I was born and raised as a Roman Catholic, and through organized religion and through my attitude towards organized religion and my faith, my belief in God was distorted, my friends, because I thought God was a God of hate and a God of revenge, and that if I were to die, I would go straight to hell and roast and toast forever for the things that I had done. And it's the people in Alcoholics Anonymous that taught me the difference between religion and they taught me the difference between spirituality. And how many times do we go to meetings in Alcoholics Anonymous and we hear people say, oh, that guy's talking about God and he shouldn't talk so much about God because this fellowship has got nothing to do with religion. Religion, my friends, is a form of worship and it is usually organized and it has rules and it has regulations. And spirituality simply means separated from or not a part of the material realm of life. And if your life is guided today by how you feel inside and not by how your car runs or how much money you have in the bank or whether you have a job or whether you haven't got a job, then you are a spiritual person. You see, I could lose everything that I have today and I could still be happy because I have God. And I could lose everything that I have today and I know that I would be all right tomorrow because I know tomorrow I would have God. And people who do not believe in God are people who put all their values in their possessions, are people who become very unhappy people when they lose their possessions. And material things are just as important to me today as they were when I was drinking, because when I was drinking, I didn't have anything. And what I have today, I owe it to the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, but what I have today does not come first in my life. What I have today comes second in my life. My sobriety and God comes first, and I have to always remember that. I never apologize for talking about God, nor do I ever apologize for talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. And why should I? As a grateful alcoholic, gratitude simply means to me that it is a feeling of love and appreciation towards God and towards the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous for what it has given me. And there are many times some of us in Alcoholics Anonymous say that we are grateful, but when we are asked to do things, we refuse to do them. And what we really should say is that we are not so grateful, we are merely thankful. Because a person that is grateful is a person that wants to express their love and their appreciation. A person that is thankful can move on and say, well, maybe next time. And the gratitude that I feel in my heart today is the same gratitude that brings me here this morning. It's the same gratitude that takes me anywhere that I go in the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's the same gratitude that makes me put this fellowship first in my life. And there are many of you out there that probably do not disagree with me on that, uh, on that thing. I heard many alcoholics say, well, now that I'm sober, I owe my time to my family. I owe my time to my children because I didn't give them any of my time when I was drinking. Well, my friends, when I first got sober, if the truth were really known, the time that my family wanted from me was the time that they were going to receive from me after I had <clears throat> recovered from the disease of alcoholism and that I was no longer the person that I used to be. 
there are many times in those first few months of our sobriety, my wife Shirley and I, when we were better off at an AA meeting than what we were at home. But spirituality to me and spiritual living to me is very important in my life today. And I have to get up every morning and I have to carry out the commitment that I made the night that I had my last drink. And the night that I had my last drink was the night that I took the first three steps in our program of recovery. It was the night that I came to believe that the power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and that power was Almighty God. And you see, it was because the old timers and Alcoholics Anonymous taught me what God was all about. They told me that God was a loving and a forgiving and an understanding God that would grant me my needs each day and not my wants. A God that would forgive me of the sins of my past and a God that would give me help if I would simply ask for help. And I went into the house that night and I believed that. And I used to argue with the word sanity. And I went into the house that night and I got on my knees and I asked God for help and I turned my will and my life over to the care of God. And that was the night that I lost the compulsion to drink, my friends, and it has never returned to me this day. I have never yet in the past 12 years and two months had the desire to take a drink. And I carry that commitment out each and every day. And it doesn't matter what problems I have, I know that I can handle them because I know I have God on my side. And you see, that word sanity was the word that I argued with. And if you're an alcoholic and you're sitting here this morning, my friends, and you think sober and you live sober and you've lost the desire to drink, then you have been restored to sanity. And that is the sanity that we talk about in the second step in the program of recovery of Alcoholics Anonymous. The insanity of alcoholism. And if you're an alcoholic and you're sitting in that crowd this morning and you're sober five or six years or ten years and you're thinking about taking a drink, then you're insane. Because for me to even entertain the thought of a drink, knowing what alcohol had put me through when I drank, would be insanity. And that is the insanity that I had to ask God to remove from me. Ten years and you're thinking about taking a drink, then you're insane. Because for me to even entertain the thought of a drink, knowing what alcohol had put me through when I drank, would be insanity. And that is the insanity that I had to ask God to remove from me. You see, when I first come to Alcoholics Anonymous, my friends, I didn't know how the hell I could go the rest of my life without having a drink. Because I went for 13 years and alcohol comes first in my life. It came ahead of my friends, my family, my job. It came ahead of my responsibilities. And I was somebody going nowhere when I come here. I was $4,000 in debt. I was paying for three automobiles and driving one. I lost my driver's license three times. My marriage was ready to break up. My family was disgusted with me. I lost my self-respect. I was suffering from fear. I was suffering from remorse and from the guilt feelings, insecurities, inferiority complex, self-pity, depression, and all the negative emotions that alcoholics suffer from. And I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and you people say to me, you take one drink for one day, and you turn your will and your life over to the care of God, and everything will be all right. And I had to come to believe that that night that I had my last drink. And my God, when I go back, and I look back over those 12 years now, and I see myself that night, how scared that I was. And I knew how I was going to go the rest of my life without having a drink. I knew that night. And it was simple, and it was there. And it's such a simple program that we have. My God, I wish I could give everybody out there this morning that's having difficulty. I wish I could give you what I have right now. And the only way that I can give it to you is to tell you how I did it in the hopes that maybe you can leave here today and you can go home and do it. But I knew how that night I could do it. And after I got off my knees and I went to bed, the next morning I woke up and I was sick and I was hungover and I went to that Sunday morning men's meeting in Toronto. And you know, some of all the problems that I had, 
There was a sickness that I felt inside. I still felt good because I knew I had had my last drink. And I had that comfortable feeling inside where I knew that everything was going to be all right, even though everything didn't seem as though it was all right. And the marriage today is all right, and I no longer suffer from all those things that I used to suffer from. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And I'm here to tell you the truth, my friends, that the program of recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous is a simple program of recovery to work. But it is not easy. It is hard. And the only pain that we shall ever suffer in Alcoholics Anonymous is the pain of the truth. And the only problem that I shall ever have is myself, and the only answer to that problem will come out of that book. That's where it will come from. And if you're an alcoholic right now and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, and if you think that all these things in your life are going to be impossible, then I am here to tell you that the impossible will become possible. You can do anything that you want to do except take a drink, and you can be anything that you want to be. And you can go anywhere that you want to go, and you can be free once again. And all these feelings that I had inside, and all the remorse and the guilt, and because of our program of recovery, these things are no longer in me today. I try to love people today instead of hate. I try to make amends today instead of hurt. I try to understand instead of criticize. And I try to do the things that I can do today that will benefit people rather than hurt people. I do the best I can with what I have, and what I have I got from God. So what you're looking at, my friends, right now is a product of Almighty God and the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And for an alcoholic to stay sober one day, let alone one year or twelve years, is a miracle. It's a miracle in itself. And you know something, when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, they told me if I wanted to be a better Catholic, then I could be a better Catholic. And I am a better Catholic today. And I go to my church today, and I have a better understanding of my God today. And you know, it says in our program of recovery that through prayer and meditation, we improve our conscious contact with God as we understand Him. And the best place for me to improve my conscious contact with God today is in church, because everywhere I look, I'm reminded of God. I have a comfortable relationship with my religion today, and it's the religion of my choice, and I have become a better Catholic. And if you are a Protestant, my friends, and you want to become a better Protestant, you will become a better Protestant. And if you are an atheist, and you are an Alcoholics Anonymous, then you know what you become? A very quiet atheist. <laughs> because there is no denying the power of Almighty God within this fellowship. There is no denying that there is a power in Alcoholics Anonymous far greater than any power we have ever experienced when we were out there drinking. And I have learned many things over the past 12 years in this fellowship. Many things. But I've learned enough to realize, my friends, that I still have a lot left to learn yet. A lot left to learn yet. And I hope that I never, ever, ever get to that point where I figure that I know as much as, as, as I can possibly know. There's always something for me to learn about myself. And when I get up in the morning, you see, the first thing that I do now is get on my knees and I ask God for his grace for me for this day, that I might be able to do your will and not mine. And I ask God to remove from me the defects of character I have that stand in my way from doing your will and help me to be that instrument of your peace. I ask God to help me to practice the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous this day and not the personality. And grant me the wisdom with which to try to help and to understand other people especially those who criticize and resent and hate. And I ask God to help me to become part of the solution today rather than part of the problem. And we have a lot of members in Alcoholics Anonymous today that are part of the problem rather than part of the solution. I don't know whatever happened to the respect that used to be in this fellowship for the old timers. But I know when I first come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was told that I should respect the old timers. 
And if you want sobriety, then sobriety is here, and you're going to have to work for it. And people today say, well, you shouldn't talk to me that way, or I might go out and get drunk. But don't talk about God, because you might scare the alcoholic away. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that you can't scare an alcoholic. Nobody ever scared me when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you want something and you want it bad enough, then you'll get it, regardless of what anybody says to you. You'll get it if you want it bad enough. Don't use Alcoholics Anonymous as your excuse to be out there drinking. Our 12 steps in our program of recovery are meant for the recovery of the alcoholic. They're not meant to send them back out to drink again. They're meant for the recovery. So let's show a little more respect to the old-timer in Alcoholics Anonymous and let's listen to them when they talk instead of shoving them to the back of the room. And if you think that I'm giving a dig to the newcomer, well, I can give a dig to the old-timer, too, because we're sick of you sitting in the back of the room. We want you up at the front once again, too. So let's come up here. I have things to say when I take part in meetings at Alcoholics Anonymous, and I don't mind saying them. Because I was always taught by my sponsor, who was responsible for saving my life, that I should always tell the truth. And if I always tell the truth, my friends, and I never have to worry about what I said yesterday. Never. And before I go to bed at night, I get on my knees and I thank God for this day. I thank God for my sobriety. I thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. I thank God for my wife and my family and all things that I have that's good. Because, my God, how grateful I should be that I should be allowed to stand here this morning, sober and sane, able to talk to you people. And if you're an alcoholic, my friend, and you want what I have, then let God do for you the things that you cannot do for yourself. Thank you. Madam Chair Ladies, fellow panelists, fellow alcoholics and friends of alcoholics, I am an alcoholic, and my name is Matt. And could somebody please fill me in what the hell is contented living? <laughs> because I don't know. At least all the time, I don't know. I think it would be remiss if I didn't, first of all, congratulate Bill, our chairman for this conference, and the panel. I think they did a super job. It's been one hell of a weekend. I've enjoyed every minute that I've been here. And uh, I really think they deserve all the praise that they can get because it's just been beautiful as far as I'm concerned. I was wondering why the, uh, the panel uh, picked me for the spiritual panel, and I thank them for doing so because it's, to me it's a great honor and a great privilege. But I realized last night that the, the reason for it Somebody on the panel found out that I come from God's country, so I come on the spiritual panel. And for those of you who don't know where God's country is, it's a little place called Cape Breton. <laughs> There's one down there. <laughs> but I have to be honest, this is an honest program. If God is in Cape Breton right now, he's got to be unemployed. <laughs> they call it God's country because the people down there are all good. You know, there's no bad people in Cape Breton. They all came to Ontario, sobered up, and joined KA. <laughs> so we're all winners. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One was belonging to him, and one was belonging to the Lord. 
When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you, most you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. I chose to begin my talk this morning with that little poem called Footprints because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that I have been carried through my sobriety. Many times there's been only one set of footprints in this guy's life and it was my faith and my trust in God that got me through it. My faith and my trust in you people that got me through it. And I firmly believe that God works through you just to show me that he's there. I arrived in Oshawa in 1969 on the 3rd of August. I was sick. I was hungover. I was fresh out of jail and I was on the run. I was running from myself. I know that now. Not really knowing where I was going. Not really knowing what I was going to do or how long I would even be staying here. The saddest part at that time was that I really didn't care. I cared no longer what happened to me. I had no job. In fact, at that point in my life, I was unemployable. I had no money. I was thousands of dollars in debt, and I've never recovered from that fully. I had no friends. I was on the verge of losing the only part of me that still meant anything to me. My beautiful wife and my daughter. That, my friends, is how I arrived in Oshawa. Physically, mentally, and spiritually bankrupt. So I can't really say that I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't have the mental capacity at that stage in my life to make that kind of a decision. I was guided here, as far as I'm concerned, solely by the grace of God, through someone I didn't know. God works in mysterious ways, and he works that way for me. He works through you people, as I said a minute ago, just to let me know that he is here. That day, August the 3rd, 1969, I was reborn, if you will, without even knowing that it was happening to me. Through God's grace and your wonderful people, I was allowed to come to know myself, to know who and what Matt Ryan was and who what makes him tick. Through your love for me, he taught me how to love again. Through your forgiveness of others and myself, he taught me also to forgive others and myself. Through your trust in me, I learned to trust others, and more importantly, I learned to trust in God again. As you enter our apartment here in Oshawa, my favorite picture in the whole wide world is hanging on the wall and it stares you right in the face. It's a picture of the master at the cottage door seeking admittance. To me, this picture depicts step one of our program. I've often wanted to put that in little quotation, step one underneath it, but I never got around to it yet. But it means that to me in my heart. There's no handle on that door, and that's why it's my favorite picture. It must be open from the inside. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is. That door is my heart. And it's the way Alcoholics Anonymous swings. There's no handle on our doors either. 
You can come in and you can go out whenever you feel free to do so. So I must allow uh, you people, God through you people, to enter my heart and enter my life and to take it over, so to speak. When I made that decision, um, I was allowed to find myself, I was allowed to find sobriety, and all these years to maintain that sobriety with your help. Life began to change for me the day I did that, change for the better, and I haven't had to look back. We must want it, though, before it will happen. It can't happen if we don't want it. Alcoholics Anonymous is a program for those who want it, not necessarily for those who need it. I've said a few times now that through you people that God came into my life again, and I emphasize the word again. That's true. God was no stranger to me when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was the stranger. Through my drinking episodes and my drinking career, for lack of a better word, I was the one that threw all the principles and spiritual and moral principles that I was taught as a child right out the window. All the moral and spiritual values that I have today and the principles that I live by today, they're not new to me. None of them are new to me. My home or our home was and is today a home of love, a home with faith in God, a home of kindness and all that is good that we learn about in Alcoholics Anonymous. As a child, I was taught everything good that I've learned in AA, just that I let it go when I was drinking. Threw it all out the window. But because of AA, friends don't have to walk across the street anymore when I'm coming down the sidewalk. Because of AA, my own brother doesn't have to walk out of an establishment because I walk in the other door. People as a whole trust me today. And that means a lot to me. Because at that time, nobody trusted me. And <clears throat> nobody wanted me. I've been greatly blessed in coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a loving wife who stuck by me through thick and thin. And don't think because I have the years sobriety I have that it's been easy for her. Because it hasn't. There's been a lot of hard times in the, the sobriety that I've had. And she stuck with me through thick and thin. And she's been my uh, crutch or my main power of uh, strength. Tower of strength, I should say. And my own two children, I, I call them my own, my very own personal 12 and 12. And that's important to me. One was born on the 12th of October and the other was born on the 12th of September. And between the two of them, I get a lot of love. I can't go out the door most of the time and my son's running after me to give me a slobbery kiss and a big hug. My daughter used to, but she's getting bigger than I am. She's bigger than I am now. That doesn't take much, but. <laughs> But once in a while, she does. I was at her graduation a few weeks ago. She's already graduated into high school, and she'll be going into Toronto next year. But they had a dance for the parents and the graduates, the very first dance. And after that dance was over, she gave me the biggest hug she ever gave me. I didn't tell her. She almost cracked my three ribs. And she told me that she loved me. Well, you know, I was so happy then that I was just about ready to cry, but I couldn't let her see that. And those things, to me, are the most important things in my life today. If you're sober and alcoholic anonymous and living this program a day at a time and you're not getting those sort of things, then I suggest you better have a look at yourself because you're missing an awful lot. That, that's my whole life today. I've also been blessed with an abundance of friends all over this country, all over 
Well, many countries. We have many friends down in the United States that are Alcoholics Anonymous members, and I correspond with them regularly. Uh, other countries, England, Scotland, India, I have correspondents from all those countries quite often on a regular basis. They're all Alcoholics Anonymous members, and they're all winners. All of my friends are winners in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, my sponsor, Romeo, he's a winner. Al, Ernie, Cliff, Tom. I could go on and on and on and name names, you know, but there's just so darn many of them. The members of my group, the South End group here in Oshawa, they make me feel so good. When I walk into that room, there's about four members belonging to that group that when they walk in, I feel good. They don't say anything. They might be on the other side of the room. But just because they're there, I feel good. And that's a beautiful feeling. They are examples uh, to me. They're not only, you know, good powers of examples in Alcoholics Anonymous. To me, they're examples of the power of God. When they walk into the room, it just lights up for me. One of these many friends that I I hope that you will meet someday. In fact, I have a feeling he'll be here in a, in a month or so, or two weeks or so. Is a member that I met while I was down in New Brunswick for two years, 1978 to 1980. He's one of the most wonderful men I ever met in my life. And he's the only man that I got that so close to while I was in New Brunswick, and that's probably the reason I'm relating to him right now. Because you see, Alcoholics Anonymous, I've seen it from here to St. John's, Newfoundland, and almost every little town and city there is when I was on the road the last few years. And I've seen it over in England, and I've seen it in Scotland. And Alcoholics Anonymous format is different in almost every little place you go. But the end result is the same. That beautiful feeling that we get after meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous is the same. But nowhere have I ever traveled have I found the fellowship that there is in, in the Lakeshore District of Alcoholics Anonymous. We've got to have the best damn fellowship in the world, or the best part of the fellowship in the world right here. And I don't say that because I'm here. Because, but this is where I got my sobriety, and it means so much to me. This man, his name, he'd be 27 years old, or 27 years old, 27 years sober in another couple of months. And his spirituality, his wisdom, his love, his understanding, his kindness, all of those things took me to through two of the roughest years I ever had. They were rough years down home. A lot of things happened that at one time would have sent me on a six-month binge. In eight weeks, I buried seven relatives, and that man helped me get through it all. He was just a tower of strength to me. His name is Frank, Frank Sagan, and I know he won't mind me breaking his anonymity, but it, just to see him walk in a room, I knew I was all right. And the reason I'm talking about other people here is to get the message across that I don't, I never did, and I know I never will be able to hold on to this program by myself. It's you people. You are my strength. You are my tower of strength and my love. So you see, I've had a lot of help in maintaining my sobriety. I never will do it alone. I don't believe I stayed sober the last 12 years. I was kept sober by the grace of God and you people through your fellowship, your love, and your understanding. To sum up, I really didn't come to AA as I tried to get across at first. I was brought here by the power of God. And I didn't stay here. I was kept here. I was kept sober by you people and by the grace of God. 
For that, I must always be grateful. And I hope I always will be as grateful as I am at this very moment. I love you people so much. I just can't express. I wish I could take my heart out and show it to you. Because it would just expand once I got outside my body and it would fill this whole room. That's the way I feel at this single moment. And because of that gratitude, I'm going to close with a prayer of gratitude that was given to me a few years ago by a dear, beautiful, most wonderful lady, one of the other ladies in my life, my mother. Thank you, Lord, for all your gifts of love, especially those we often overlook. Thank you for your friends to increase our love for you. Thank you for your enemies to increase our tolerance. Thank you for joys and happiness to strengthen our faith in you. Thank you for trials and tribulations to strengthen our trust and perseverance. Thank you for tough when times go well to teach us serenity. Thank you for the days when things are rough to teach us patience. Thank you for our success to increase our confidence. Thank you for our failures to increase our humility. Thank you, Lord, for the ups and downs of life. Thank you, Lord, for the precious gift of life itself. Help us to continue to grow and to learn, to love, and to be grateful. Comfort us when we are disturbed. Disturb us when we become too comfortable. Thank you, Lord, for being by our side. God bless you and thank you. John. The third panelist is Jackie M. from Toronto. You can help welcome that. Good morning. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Jackie. I had to check to make sure it's still morning. Oh, boy. I came to believe. I have no idea how to tell you that. I know, I know that I believe. I know that I came to believe in the God of my understanding today, who is not the God I feared for so many, many years. I knew from the first time I committed a, a, a sin, whatever you want to call it, that God was going to get me, and I was going to pay for whatever the hell I did all my years. And so it really didn't matter what I did, you know, because he was going to get me. So, you know, if you do one, you might as well do them all. And I literally think I did them all. And I was willing and yet unwilling at the time to pay the price for what I was doing. When I got here, I was terrified of, the, of God um, because I didn't know what to expect. I uh, talked to my sponsor. Oh, hours and hours and hours about what God was like that he understood. Because obviously it wasn't the fearful God. Obviously it was a kind and loving and caring deity that he was aware of. And I wanted that kind of a God because I didn't want to go around feeling full of fear any longer. And uh, we talked about it for many, many hours. And he charged me with the duty of writing a word picture of what I would have God be like if I could create him. 
took me many, many days and many, many months to do so because it sounded like such far-fetched fantasy that, that it's really, you know, uh, what the hell are you talking about? But I did it. I started writing about what I would like God to be like. And the God that I wrote about was a good, caring, kind, loving, and forgiving. I can say individual, but God is not an individual, and yet he is individual. I get very, very uh, going around in circles when I try to explain it to myself as well as to anyone else. But the God I came to believe in is a God that cares very, very much about me. He takes care of me in all my times of trouble. Sometimes I'm aware of it and sometimes I'm not. He's forgiven me for what I've seen and what I've done. The God of my understanding um, looks after Jackie daily, hourly, sometimes by the minute. I'm very aware of my God in my life. Um, there isn't anything that can happen to me that we can't take care of. Today I'm aware of that. Obviously when I got here, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous approximately 10 years ago, I didn't have a faith of anybody caring, of anything caring, of anybody wanting me, needing me, or even with any ability to love me. To me, that's the most horrible state for any person to ever reach, and I reached it. I reached it many, many times where I knew that nobody wanted me. I knew that nobody cared about me, and I knew that nobody loved me. And I sure as hell didn't love me, and I didn't like me, and I had no respect for me. Today all that changed. The priceless gifts of sobriety are the fact that people love me, that my family loves me. My children think I'm, I'm just about the greatest. Uh, I never thought I was a good mom. I, I, there's no way I was a good mom. I was one of those moms that, that uh, sent them uptown for hamburgers, you know, and uh, I taught my kids when they were six years old to cook craft dinner so I wouldn't have to be bothered and I didn't want the children's age to come and say who was suffering from malnutrition. And so I taught them how to cook craft dinner. Taught them other things too, obviously, because today they're, they're beautiful young people that live lives of their own. I drew a blank, my God. I knew it would happen. I was a very unspiritual person when I got here because I cared about no one. I didn't give a damn about anything. I didn't want to be bothered. Leave me alone and I'll stumble through or muddle through. Just, just stay away from me. Don't come near me because I don't want you to know me. I don't want you to have anything to do with me. And I sure as hell didn't want you to reject me. And it's such a uh, paradox because I wanted to be wanted, needed, and loved, and yet I didn't want you to need me or want me or love me. Today, through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and particularly through the 11th step and the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, I have come to care about you people. And it's become... The main thing, I think, the main say in my life 
that I need you to care about, so I'll be okay. I have learned through this program and through this 11th step that the only way I'm going to feel good is if I care about you and I worry about you. Every time I have given of myself to somebody else, I come home and I feel so good. And it is so, such an incredible, incredible way of feeling that I know, I know when I'm hurting, the thing for me to do is go to a meeting, walk into the room, and as scared and screwy up as I am in my head lots of times, I walk in and I look around and I see who's standing alone or who's afraid. And I make it a point to go over and reach out and touch that person because I need that person to help me be okay. There isn't anybody I've ever talked to that uh, I want their problem. I listen and I care, but I don't want your problems. Mine are all I can handle. <laughs> Some of them are really bad sometimes, but I'm okay, you know, yours are worse than mine. I know that with my higher power, I'm going to be okay. And I don't know how you're going to be with your higher power. I really don't know. I try to share mine. Anybody that hasn't got a higher power out there, you can talk to me and I'll lend you mine so you get one of your own. That's how I got mine. Somebody lent it to me. Till I got an understanding of what I, what I know today, what I feel today, the faith I have today. I get my answers for most of my problems up in here. Um, I don't know where they come from because I don't normally or generally think rationally. When I'm in a problem, when I'm in, a, in some kind of trouble, back then, normally, I would take a drink. Back then, I would normally hide. Back then, I would normally shut you out. But today, it's a different story. I come to in meetings lots of times when I'm having a bad time, and I don't know how I got there. I, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I think, how the hell did I get here? Because I'm not aware of going to meetings lots of times when I'm screwed up in my head. And yet, there, all of a sudden, there I am, and something's clicked. Because I realize today that without, without thinking about it, my God takes care of me, and he sends me to a meeting. And it's, it's really strange because I never, I never figured that God worked physically. Mentally, yeah. Spiritually, yeah. But not physically. But he's worked that way with me. He's taken me places where I never intended to go, end up in a meeting. How did I get here? Wasn't of my own choosing. For Jackie, when she's in trouble, the normal thing for me to do is to go into my bedroom and shut the door and leave the lights off and sit in a corner. And that's how I lived most of my life, in the corner in the bedroom, because I was terrified of what was going to happen to me. Today I find myself in all kinds of strange places with, with strange people. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and not knowing how I got there. Not knowing why I'm there lots of times. Stand there and say, what in the hell am I doing here today? Why am I here again? But that's what happens to me. I went through a period within the last month. Uh, it was a two-week period, literally a two-week period. And five things came down real heavy. 
and I was really swirled up. And I'm sitting at the table reading this piece of legal paper that I wasn't expecting. And I looked up and I said, okay, fella, which is the way I thought to God, my God. Okay, fella, what the hell are you doing to me now? And the answer that he gave me was, it's okay. And I didn't feel okay. And I didn't think it was okay. And I said, like, how come you're giving me all this stuff at once? You know, like, one more thing, baby, and I'm going to crash. And he said, Jackie, I've given it to you in a period of 10 days. Don't worry about it. It hasn't all come down at once. And it's true. And I started to laugh because I know he looks after me. But through all this trouble and all this turmoil and, and, and all the swirled up, fixed up things that are going through my head, I knew that I was okay. I felt okay. I knew that nothing too great was going to come my way. And, and it was such a remarkable feeling. I went away on my holidays. I went alone. I went to uh, northern Ontario and into Quebec. And I stayed at my uncle's cottage. And I knew I had to be alone with Jackie because I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I really needed. I didn't know who I was anymore. I lost my identity in my own head. And I had to go away. And I don't, generally don't like being alone. I, I'm a people person. I, I love people. I get high on being with people. And I get high on, on my fellows in Alcoholics Anonymous. I need you people. And normally I don't go away by myself. And obviously I didn't go away by myself. I took my God. I took my big book. And I started reading my big book again. And I laid in the sun and I swam in the water. And I had a beautiful time. And all of a sudden, I found myself again. And I knew, I just knew, I just felt that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. It's such a such a fantastic relief to know I don't have to worry about tomorrow, to know that I'm going to be okay, that no matter what goes down, I don't have to take a drink. I don't have to get back in the squirrel cage unless I choose to, and there's no way I want to do it today. Being um, at a conference is, is the icing on the cake for me. Um, I, 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 like I say, I get high on people, and I come to conferences because I know so many people, and I always meet somebody I haven't seen for a while, and I see how they're doing, and they make me happy because they're doing well. I, uh, I've been a counselor in the treatment center, and, uh, it only strengthens the faith that I have, and it only strengthens the belief I have in my God. Because I watch men and women come into the treatment center. Oh my God, such, such hopelessness written in their faces, such despair written all over them. And I've watched them grasp, and I've watched them explain to people in the program and the people around them, hanging on to their belief, and I've watched them grow 
I've watched my God working in them. I've watched many, many miracles in this world. I happen to be one of them, and I know that daily. When I brushed my teeth, it just cost me $1,700, and I wonder why I kept them. Uh, I never used to brush my teeth. Maybe that's why I had to spend that kind of money on them. I don't know. Um, but every day, I ha this is a daily routine with me. Now, it used to be, uh, I guess it's a daily routine with most normal people. They brush their teeth in the morning. Well, I never used to do that. Today, I, ha I do that. I do that. I even brush my tongue, you know. Smokers. <laughs> and drinkers brush their tongues, so I'm so. But I brush my teeth in the morning. And when I do that, I look at Jackie in the mirror, and I know I'm okay. I know I'm going to be okay. I know I'm not the person I used to be. I kind of like the lady in the mirror, and I use that term loosely because I don't think I'll ever be a lady. Um, it's kind of nice to see the sparkle in my eye instead of the dead, the dead um, dull whatever it is. There's no luster. There used to be no luster there. Today I know there's a sparkle. I wink at myself and I say, you're not too bad. And um, it's kind of all right. You know, it's kind of all right to like yourself. I used to think it was such an ego trip to like yourself, but I like me today. I'm a good friend. I'm a good mom. I'm a good person. God's will for me is to be good. He doesn't want me to be drunk. As simple as that. God doesn't want me to be drunk. God doesn't want me doing those things that swirl me up. He doesn't want me feeling guilty because I can't handle guilt. I don't know what to do with it. So God's will for me is just to be a little bit better than I was yesterday. Or a whole bunch better if I can manage it. Not very often. But God wants for me the best things in life. And the old saying, the best things in life are free. They are. There are no strings attached to the love I give you. There are no strings attached to the love that you give me. I don't have to be what you want me to be. All I got to do is be what I want me to be. And it's such a freedom. Because if I want to screw up today, I can't. You know, like if that's your problem, not mine. But I'm the one that pays the consequences. I have a very easy life of sobriety. Staying sober for me today is very easy. It's very simple. I don't pick up a drink and I stay sober physically. Very simple. Don't take a drink and you won't get drunk. How many times have we heard that? I didn't understand it. Today I do. Today I have a life that is relatively content some of the time. I am very content with being sober. I don't want to be drunk no more. My life is not always full of contentment because there are lots of things I want to do and lots of places I want to go. And someday I'll arrive there. Dreams are fulfilled in this program. It is absolutely incredible to me to be standing here in the Oshawa Civic Center talking to you people. It's just incredible. It is something unimaginable. 
I always wanted to be in the spotlight, and I always tried so hard to get there, you know, and I always fell flat in my face. And they told me to be careful with the steps because I might trip, and I thought, well, that'd be normal for me to fall in, you know. <laughs> it is such a beautiful feeling to see you people. I'm recognizing so many of you out there now. It's, it's starting to focus. I'm standing here on sweat, the, the sweat down to here. But I'm not afraid of you. I'm very nervous, but I'm not afraid of you. And it sounds defiant, and it is, I guess, in a way, because I was so terrified of everybody for so long. So I'm not afraid of you. If you don't like me, it's your problem. If I don't like you, it's my problem. I've got to find out why. I think I've digressed from my topic, but I've come to believe that through you people, Alcoholics Anonymous, and number one, the God of my understanding, that the next mile I walk will be a lot easier. Thank you. How do you think three people? I think if anyone hasn't got anything out of this panel, they weren't listening. And from Matt, John, and Jackie, I received a beautiful message. You heard that we are all here through the grace of God. What happens to us when we come here? How we come to believe? If there's anyone new out there, please keep coming back. And this too will happen to you. We guarantee it.